0: following is a production of dallascowboys.com and the dallas cowboys football club
1: this
0: This is is mick shots Shots. streaming live on dallascowboys.com and the official dallas cowboys app now here are bill jones and mickey spagnola
1: Welcome into another edition of Mix Shots on this beautiful Thursday morning. We've got a lot of great stuff coming your way. I'm Danny Serek alongside two of the Cowboys' greats, Mickey Spagnola and Everson Walls. Now, we are doing this uh, virtually. We're following the social distancing rules, making sure everyone is safe. So, I got to check in with you guys during this quarantine. How have you guys been holding up so far?
2: Well, I think pretty well. Uh, you know, being able to uh, work at home and do basically everything we would do in the office. The only downside is is we don't bump into anybody to talk to uh, <laughs> to get some information on getting ready for this draft. But uh, other than that, you know, we're still doing our <clears throat> podcasts and uh, still uh, feeding the monster, DallasCowboys.com. So still writing and, uh, yeah, kind of staying busy, although uh, you don't get a chance to talk to many people.
3: You know, I've been doing okay here on this end. I'm working out a lot. Oh, my God. Spags, you and I, we're going to have a little contest when it's all said and (laughs) done.
2: We'll well, we'll have 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 a tour to to North Texas, right? We're 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 going to start
3: off with an ab contest. i want to see what your abs look like first. Oh,
1: gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see that. Who could do more crunches? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad you guys are staying busy. Spags is going to come
3: back looking like a, a, a... A doggone buffed up little uh, chihuahua or something coming up there, man. You're going to scare me, bro. I can't believe you're getting this shit. Was that a a compliment to call him a little
1: chihuahua?
2: I I don't think so, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yesterday I rode my bike out into the country and and I, I went down some roads that I'd never been on before and I was like, I don't know where i'm at right now and i don't know if i've gone too far to get back in one piece so but it all worked out it ended up being a (laughs) a huge circuit and it's amazing you guys out this way um, this part of uh, north texas or north uh, texas here uh the amount of country that's out here the amount of horse farms and the mansions that are out here i just want to know what these people do for a living
3: they're stealing (laughs) bags they steal that's how they got it they stole the money
2: (laughs) i've seen no i've seen more equestrian centers that and i ever knew that i knew there was one or two out here but there must be six or seven it's amazing but it's great to be out on those country roads no one's bothering you and i'm within i'm not within six feet of anybody i guarantee you
1: there you go you're following the rules (laughs) Love that, making back out there with nature. But I know you've been uh, watching some TV, too. You've been watching some of those old games that have been re-airing?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, uh, yesterday, it was the first time. See, I got to go to the national championship game, the LSU-Clemson game. So I never saw the game on television. I never heard the commentary. And so yesterday, I, I it was on, and I said, oh, let me watch it. And I think I watched the majority of the... Uh, the second half, and uh, the one thing I was surprised about in the third quarter, and remember, and Everson, you jump in on here, but Clemson had a pretty good defense, and uh, in that third quarter, they were starting to give LSU a little problems, and uh, Burrow wasn't completing every pass, right? And I heard the guys say, "Well, I don't know, Joe looks like he might be ill. He, he's, he's, I don't know if he's hurt. He's not playing well. He might be sick," and I'm sitting there watching this. And as the game continued, I, I said the only sick thing about it were the dimes he was dropping on his receivers. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Some of those touchdown passes, right? Uh, well, you but know, it was when you look at that whole that. game,
3: Spags, you look at the entire game. That was uh, some amazing football. You had two great quarterbacks, and once again, we talked about the wide receivers, the studs that they had in that game on both sides. That was something that was very impressive. That was one of the more talent-ridden. Uh, exciting uh, playoff games I think I've ever seen in college football.
2: Yeah, and they were, they were starting to give Lawrence, uh, the Clemson quarterback, a hard time. And I'm going, yeah, the reason he's having a hard time is that the LSU front is getting after him. Uh, he didn't have a lot of time in the pocket. So it was kind of good to go back and, and watch that. And then, uh, Danny, the other thing I watched, uh, and it was on last Saturday, They showed, uh, it was a replay of all the Peyton's places, the half hour shows that they were showing. I uh, love those. And I had never seen one of them because they were on ESPN plus and I don't have it. So they were broadcasting these on ESPN. And I started watching one or two or three And then I said, you know what, I don't know how many there are, but I'm going to record the whole series. So I just kind of binge-watched like half of them. What did you learn, Spags? Tell me what you learned. Well, here's the one I did learn, and and it was about the the Lombardi Trophy. Because I I had forgotten that, you know, once they came up with the trophy in those first years of the Super Bowls, uh, it wasn't called the Lombardi Trophy, right? It was called something like the... uh, professional world professional football championship and they inscribed that on the trophy and it was a traveling trophy it was like the stanley cup so the winner got to keep it for a year with the team's name on it uh... and then in nineteen seventy when they uh, they decided after vince lombardi passed away after his one-year coaching the redskins uh... they decided to name the trophy the lombardi trophy so the first year of the lombardi trophy Uh, was actually 1970 and it dawned on me when I saw that I said oh the Cowboys had an opportunity to win the first Lombardi trophy since they were in Super Bowl 5 they ended up losing to Baltimore uh, 16 to 13 and uh, they could have and and that's when they finally gave the trophy away so they had made a new one every year Uh, and the, the funny thing and this is certainly what I didn't know for sure uh, and Everson, you'll remember this in 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 the uh, in like midnight in 1984, the Baltimore Colts left uh, Baltimore for Indianapolis, right? Uh, and, and no one knew they were leaving. They just kind of took off. Uh, and yeah, that their, was way
3: before social media. Uh, right? Spans. Yeah, they yeah. couldn't get away with that now. There's yeah. no way they could get away with that. Which, now. Which, by the way, all we're you so, all you recall was. Mayflower trucks being moved and packed up. That's all that they show. That in the dead of night they snuck out in the dead of night. That was one of the more classless moves, I think, by any organization until Modell came and and reversed it (laughs) it and went to Baltimore from (laughs) Cleveland.
2: So, do you remember that happening? Like, were you shocked when you heard a team that you, you probably could play moved to Indianapolis?
3: That that was a low blow. I was shocked. I, I think the entire sports world was shocked because they just couldn't believe that a team would, would first of all be able to do it under oh my under cover of darkness which it just seemed like such a, uh, a sneaky way. Could you imagine if a brother <laughs> had to, to pay his bills and he, he, he just leaves his apartment right. without paying his bills? Come yeah. on, they'd be, looking for, <laughs> they'd be looking for him all over.
2: Or what if the Chargers just decided, okay, tonight we're leaving San Diego for L.A. We'll see. Yeah. be right
1: at dawn. <laughs> yeah,
2: and you know, Danny, and the funny thing was, is so they were awarded the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, and in their agreement with the city when they left, they left the the. They decided uh, the city of Baltimore said no. That trophy's ours. It's not yours. <laughs> and so they left the trophy behind. And, oh my gosh! And when I, when I mean, Peyton, come on,
3: tell me that's Cleveland going to Baltimore. That's the same thing. Same thing, right? Nineteen ninety four, ninety five. It's the, right. They left just all the, the
2: records behind, right? And so that's
3: right. Cleveland would not let them Starts take fresh. anything. When they couldn't Peyton, take anything.
2: When Peyton was <laughs> trying to do the story on the trophy. Uh, they basically show, said, okay, we'll show you where we're we keeping the trophy, and it was in the basement of the Babe Ruth they Museum. They still have the trophy? Yes. It's still and it's there, in and a basement? it's not on display. It's down in a basement just sitting on a table. And I was like, okay. That's this a waste. Is, this is too good. So th- th- those were some of the things uh, I think I learned. And, and now here's the other one, and I don't know, Everson, if you'll remember this, uh, but That year, when the Cowboys went to the Super Bowl, uh, they ended up with a two game losing streak kind of mid season. Uh, And in the big showdown against uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, who were in first place at the time, uh, the Cowboys at the Cotton Bowl get wiped out 38 to nothing. I like they turned the ball over six times. And now, after nine games, they're sitting there 5 and 4. And everybody is giving the team grief, right? They're under fire. This is a team that was supposed to be really good, and they're sitting there at five and four. And Tom Landry goes, "Well, the only way we're going to get in the playoffs if we win the last five games in a row." And they won the last five they games. Won. In they a sure row. did. Yes, um, they did. Finished ten and four, and in the first round of the playoffs, beat Detroit. Just pummeled them five to nothing. <laughs> they win the they win the NFC championship game seventeen to ten over San Francisco. Tom Landry
3: Tom Landry called that uh, Detroit game the most dominating defensive effort he's ever seen by a doomsday defense.
2: Yeah, and that's what's at their height, right? And that's kinda uh, they they were you had you good.
3: had Mel Renfro back there doing his thing, doing his Deion Sanders thing. You had Cornell Green playing both safety and corner at that time. I, I, don't, I think he got, I'm not sure if he got all pro at safety that year or if he got all pro at cornerback that year, but that, he was such a diverse player for the Cowboys. That's when you had the versatility, you had the talent, and you had the scheme all in one. That was a perfect storm for the Dallas Cowboys defense at that time. That's, when, that's really when Doomsday became alive.
2: Right. And then, you know, they go into the Super Bowl and they basically hold Baltimore to sixteen points and they get beat 16-13, mm-hmm. But and, and really there was a let's controversial, not, let's not give play them 'em sixteen. The end,
3: Thank you. Yes.
2: That's so, when you well, make had the, uh, the
3: John Mackey the John Mackey double double tap, uh double tip so to speak. You, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't tip the ball to a to your own player. Right. Right? Isn't that how it went, Spags? Yes. So they tipped the ball. John Mackey caught it, went 70-plus yards. Charlie Waters, Cliff Harris going crazy out on the field. <laughs> but they didn't take it back. No replay at that time, of course. So right, a mistake is a mistake. It stood.
2: So that's how close the Cowboys came to winning the first Lombardi trophy. And then we know what happened after that. They went back to the Super Bowl the next year and won the, the first championship. Well, I tell you,
3: with me, I've uh, – I've been so bored around here, so I decided to stroke my ego one day, uh, Danny. Oh gosh! <laughs> so
1: What'd course,
3: you do, 19, Everson? nineteen eighty-one was was you know that's the the my rookie year. I get eleven picks. No one's got eleven interceptions since that year. That's a long time ago. So I go back and I think I'm gonna get my my ego stroke. And all I see was all the times I was getting toasted. Right? <laughs> like every every time I looked up, I'm like. I forgot about that play. Oh, my God, I forgot about that touchdown. Wow, I forgot I gave up those many yards in that particular game. So at first, you know, I started trying to fast forward to my interceptions. That took too long. And so uh, I started calling people. I just started calling the guys that were toasting me. So I called Harold Carmichael, and I cursed him out. Uh, I called Roy Green, I called him an old goat, and i didn't mean that in a in a uh, complimentary way. Uh, <laughs> I was just calling everybody that I called everybody that beat me was so I got I caught up with a lot of guys. we had some good conversations that's after I ended up uh after I cursed him out uh, I ended up we ended con- up having great conversations, having a good time, but that's what i've been doing going back on YouTube watching old cowboy games and uh reliving those moments and you know, it's, it's, it's good, of course, uh, just to, to see those, those old memories. But, man, you look at the guys that are not here, and that kind of really took me, took me back a little bit as, as far as the guys that are gone now and the guys that are, you know, that are kind of sick right now. And it's just so amazing when you look at the history of the Cowboys and, and, and just my own brief history here in Dallas. Uh, and you look at the, your teammates that you, you uh, had that bond with you look at your foes that you actually had relationships with as well post career, and uh, it really made me kind of connect a lot with the people that uh, that I had played with and played against. I called Tony Hill. Uh, who else did I call? I called Billy Joe Dupree. I was just calling everybody, and you know, just having a good time, just making some calls. So that's my that's been my connection. Through this entire coronavirus
2: thing, you should have you should have given Tony Dorsett a call. It was his birthday on Tuesday. <laughs> You're
3: right. You're so right.
2: I should have given him a call. You're so right you found that. these things? They're forty years old, and you found the oh the, yeah. The you game. Can go on YouTube and find anything.
3: That my, the my shame is my shame is on YouTube up and down <laughs> the line.
2: <laughs> That's good.
1: Well, Mickey, um, I have some homework for you for next week. Uh, for the Payne's places, you need to go watch the Emmett Smith one.
2: I did. I the one that they did with Emmett, uh Favre and Eric Dickerson, was it that one?
1: Um I can't remember if it was all three of them. I remember watching it like on social media when it they put it out a couple months ago, but he has the storage unit and it's got oh, no, like, all the football. One. You did yeah. see that one. Okay. Yes, I yeah, did. I like that great. one.
2: Great. And that's and Peyton uh, Everson Peyton Pete him, He goes, "So is there something in here I can take as a souvenir?" He goes, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> but but the story is, Emmett, when he, when he first started, he he would he would keep every touchdown ball that he scored. I remember, and they yes. put it in. And then his dad uh, in Pensacola, um, he he, uh, he opened up a, and this was at the at the advent of. Trading cards, and so he opened up basically a souvenir shop, uh, and they had all the balls there. And Emmett would just keep storing them in boxes, and yeah. had to get a storage unit because he had so many touchdowns. Yeah, it was a pretty cool. That was a that was a, one of the uh, pretty cool stories. Absolutely. They also showed the one about making the football. And they walked into the lady who was sewing them by hand, and she was shocked that Peyton was standing there. Yeah, it was pretty good stuff. You're exactly right.
3: I used to I used to keep all my interceptions uh, from my my rookie year, uh-huh. and I found out that uh, I would if you give them away to charity, you know they would bid on them. Right. And so pretty much uh, I'd say nine out of the first eleven. Interceptions I, I gave away to charity. That's I kept awesome. my first one. I kept my first one. And uh, I don't know. Oh, the other one I, I gave to my nephews. So, yeah, it's, it's all torn up.
2: Did they make you pay for them?
3: <laughs> no, they did not make you pay for them. <laughs> Hey, Eventually, we pay for everything. Okay. <laughs>
2: Well, you did, a better, pay. you did a better <laughs> job than Drew did after he caught the Hail Mary, ended up throwing the ball out at the stadium, and they never found the football again. It, you you oh, know what? No. That is one of the most controversial
3: things ever. Someone has that ball.
2: Absolutely.
3: Okay. Someone. Has, you would think they would come out with it, but they were so mad in Minnesota. <laughs> um, they may have gone home and thrown it into the fireplace or something. Or, or they blew
1: it <laughs> or up. Deflated it, two, it or something. Right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay. Well, real quick, going back, Mickey, when you were watching that uh, national, you were watching that title game with LSU. There's a. You were talking about the defense. And they have got some amazing defensive players going into the draft this year. And you kind of touched on uh, that front defensive line. But there is a player in the secondary who is a really top candidate for the Cowboys with that 17th pick. And I'm sure, Everson, you have a lot to touch on uh, talking about safety. Grant Delpit.
2: Yeah, I saw where Gil Brandt, uh, Cowboys uh, former personnel director, and he's still keeping a hand in the NFL after all these years uh, said that when they asked him who do you think the best safety is in in the draft, and he said Grant Delpit L- LSU, uh, and yeah, he's a good one in Everson. I understand that uh, you know maybe a little bit about the Mr. Delpit.
3: Well, I, you know, I've, I've got my uh, connections in in New Orleans, uh, my college roommates from New Orleans, and of course. That's my second family down there. And they talked about uh, the Delphine family and, and uh, how prominent they are in the city. Uh, talked about how this young kid came up, even even from an from early age, he was always a stud. And when you looked at how he played in the, in the, uh, in the playoffs, I was impressed with how he challenged uh, the receivers uh, for Clemson. I had never seen anyone challenge receivers the way he was down the field. He took the proper angles. He was very anticipatory on, on every play that, that uh, was coming down the pipe. Now, of course, they were able to uh, – Clemson was able to get some good plays down the field because they have amazing players at the wide receiver position. But when you look at his play, not only is he adept at playing the ball, he's also a very physical – an aggressive defensive back. Uh, right now, you would have to give him, I, I think he's the top defensive back in the draft. That's. I, I thought that as soon as I saw him play because the ball skills were evident. Uh, his There was no confusion out there. He was never out of position. And, of course, there were times when the ball, there were plays still made on him, but that's just the way it was in that particular game because you had talent all over the field. But he even stood out amongst all of that talent. And that says a lot about him when you're looking at a game that just possessed so many great athletes in that game.
2: Yeah, and if you look at Cowboy needs, you know, and gosh, that's a, that's a whole segment, right, a whole probably show because <laughs> there's so many needs, right? And, you know, and safety's one of them. Uh, cornerback's one of them. Uh, yeah, and, and he was awfully aggressive against the run. Now, Gill said one of, his, one of his weaknesses is sometimes he doesn't tackle real well, takes bad angles. He goes, but that's teachable. You could cure that. He goes, but the, the coverage skills and his ability just to play that safety position, uh, he, he considers him that, the, the best guy uh, there, and uh, I thought that was uh, awfully interesting.
1: Well, in years past, the Cowboys haven't used those early draft picks on safeties or cornerbacks, but you know now we have a new coaching staff, so really anything is up for grabs, and defensive back is definitely a unit where the Cowboys are needing to add some depth. Um, we will have more discussion, though, coming up about the draft and some of the players and things that are going on and we've actually got a really great interview, a behind the scenes look at one of the virtual interviews the Cowboys are having to conduct now that everyone is social distancing. So uh, stay with us. We'll have a behind the scenes interview right after this.
0: I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. where you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases restrictions apply find a participating eye care professional by visiting Essilorusa.com Essilor see more do more want to use what the pros use how about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just ten bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to slash cowboys and use the code word Team JB. That's slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, ten bucks free shipping your new apartment's big such a great deal Uh, it's okay just okay what's not too? It's right above the subway
1: well i bet you don't even notice it after the
2: that's
0: my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score, September 2019. Back, back, back. to shots.
1: Welcome back to Mix Shots. Today means that we are two weeks away from the NFL Draft. And just a reminder that you can get your draft coverage the Cowboys way with the official 2020 Dallas Cowboys Star Magazine Draft Guide. Featuring an exciting new look, the guide includes all the information and analysis you need for the Cowboys' upcoming draft. Get your digital copy today for only $4.95. You can find out more on dallascowboys.com forward slash star. And that's got a lot of great stuff. There's more than 320 players listed. There's mock drafts writing from the great DallasCowboys.com writers. I mean, that, that draft guide really has everything you need to know, getting you ready for the draft in just two short weeks. And just the way that we are doing this podcast virtually, the Cowboys and all the other NFL teams are having to start conducting everything moving forward virtually. They no longer were able to have pro days. They're not able to bring in players for official visits. So they're having to do all those behind the scenes and, Mickey, it's been pretty cool seeing the way that at least the Cowboys have been conducting these. We've seen some of them go on the Dallas Cowboys social media this past week.
2: Yeah, you guys, it, it's, it's pretty neat. You know, I was wondering how this stuff was going to work. Well, uh, the ones that we've been able to see uh, basically has Jerry Jones sitting on a couch in one of his rooms at his house, and he's got a, a huge video screen up on the wall. And uh, basically, they're doing what we're doing right now. Everybody uh, that's uh, involved in the interview has a little box up there. And uh, Danny, I don't know if you'll remember this, but it looks like Hollywood Squares, right? The old TV show uh, with everybody in a box. Hey, I
1: know that. I know okay, that. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know, the, know how. I watched. Yep. You know, Mickey, I've watched those vintage shows.
2: All right. Very good. <laughs> We got old school hey, and with She has here, the game remember? show network's
3: bags. Yeah, yeah, she has the game show network. <laughs>
2: right. Anyway, so they got Jerry, and, and they're showing the screen, and they've got uh, Mike Nolan, the defensive coordinator. McCarthy's up there. Uh, Harris, the DB coach. Uh, Will McClay. So there was like six or seven people involved in it, and the the one that stuck out to me uh, was they were doing the interview with Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray. Uh, who, by the way, when I watched uh, Oklahoma games and I saw this number eight and I go, I don't know who he is, but I want number eight on my football team. (laughs) He's a linebacker, right? Uh, And and he's awfully good. So they conducted uh, an interview uh, with him on there, and it was one of the more amazing answers that I've heard a football player give to a Jerry Jones question, and I thought it would be great if we just played it for you guys uh, because just to try to summarize it, I, I don't think I could do it justice. So let's hear uh, Jerry Jones along with Kenneth Murray.
0: Let me ask one, that I, I ask it uh, frequently this way if you can come up with a, uh, a setback, if you could come up with where you had to really calm on yourself if, at any time in your life, when you were young, you were uh, uh, kicked around, what, what do you think uh, uh, gave you a lot of the, uh, the, uh, the setbacks or the controversy or the challenge that might have helped you be
4: a, a football player you are? Well, uh, you know, Situation that, I'm, that I that I would that I like to talk about and that's made me who I am on the field and off the field uh, you know I, I wouldn't say it's more so a setback um, I, I say it's more so a blessing I mean uh, you know if you look at it the way I am the way you know my family has it is a blessing and so um you know for me I learned you know how to be selfless at an extremely extremely young age how to what true gratitude is, and extremely engaged because of what I went through. And so, um, you know, when, when I was growing up, um, my mom and my dad, you know, they, they 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 did some things that that were were true acts of selfless self selflessness. And so, um, around the age of eleven, my parents uh, adopted three special needs kids, and um, you know, it's kind of a, a unique situation for us um, because you know the disease that they had. Um, which was, was extremely, extremely rare. Um, only one other set of children had it in the world. Um, and so you know, that that pushed my parents into, you know, going to 25, 30 doctor's appointments a week um, just to, you know, be able to get the kids the, the proper help that they need to get them, um, you know, you know started and, and get them the help that they needed. And so, um, you, know, you know, going through all that stuff and that, that, that was a time where, you know, my parents were leaning on me a lot given that I was the oldest. And so, you know, I was the kid that, you know, basically, you know, my parents anytime they needed anything, anytime they needed, um, you know, know, things to be done, you know, I was the oldest child. I was the one that everybody was looking to. and so, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was a setback, I would say it was a blessing. Because, you know, at that at that age, you know, it really really forced me to be, you know, what what you guys see on the field now, which is, you know, the product of a of a kid that's a go-getter of a kid that, that just goes out um, and, and just and just gets it for himself. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, I've always been a self-starter. Um, you know, I've never been somebody that, that that needs to be started. You know, I've always been the guy that's, that's been the first in the building, last one out. I mean, I think that's a direct byproduct of, of just how I came up and that I had to go through as a kid. Uh, and, you know, you know, early on, you know, I was, you know, I, I took you on top, that I raised three kids already because, you know, you just got to grow up fast. Um, you, know, you know going through that type of situation and, and my parents you know basically you know being you know, from one lifestyle to a, a complete a completely other type of lifestyle and so um, you know for that for us you know it, it was definitely a unique situation um, and it's definitely a, a situation that has molded me and, and made me who i am today. Uh, Kenneth,
0: as, sure. uh, um, as strong as, sir. as strong. thank you. Yes, sir.
1: These interviews are so important because it's not just that the Cowboys want to make sure they're drafting a player who can perform well on the field, but they're also trying to get a feel for who these guys are as people off the field and get a sense of their true character. And when you hear Kenneth Murray talk about his family like that and how he stepped up as a young kid, I'm not sure how you don't want someone like him on your team.
2: I'll tell you what, that's one of the best answers I think I've I've ever heard uh, a player give off the cuff. Uh, because he didn't really uh, have a setback to refer to. He talked about what kind of made him the person he is uh, on the field, the, the leader he is. And Everson, I think when, when guys are like that, you sit there and you go, okay, this guy can play, but he's also probably a pretty quality person.
3: Well, you know, Danny said it right. When you talk about character, you know, we, we talk about grades in school, we talk about uh, evaluations and 40 yard dashes and how high you jump and all of this. You know, a lot of being a good football player for a long period of time, most of the time those players have good character. They have something else that, that drives them other than football. And you could just tell in Murray's case that uh, this guy was always motivated by things other than sports. You know, when you're you're, uh, burdened, uh, for lack of a better term, with that kind of responsibility, and you come through it on the other side a better person, to me that just just says all about what what Murray's all about. Uh, It lets you know that this guy is someone that you can depend on, hopefully, to do things well uh, off the field that will allow you to be a better football player on the field. And that, that sounds a little cheeky, well, a lot sounds a little corny, but that stuff is real. That's why you have longevity with guys like a Bob Lilly or, you know, we went way back, uh, guys that, that played a long time with, with the Cowboys, guys like Tootall Jones. You know, now you're talking about Emmitt Smith, Troy Eggman. These guys had they, – they were – there were things more important to them or as important to them uh, other than football that kept them uh, to be good football players.
2: You know, Everson, and and you're so right, you know, and I I realized, um, gosh, you know, coming out of college, basically I was around a lot of college uh, football players. And then uh, my first job uh, covering uh, some sports for a newspaper, uh, I was close to the Atlanta area. And I was able to uh, cover some of the Atlanta Falcons games. And the more I was around some of those professional athletes, uh, and I realized how sharp they were, it's like, okay, now I understand why these guys are playing at this level. And it's not everybody, but the majority of the guys I ran into, they were character guys. They they could give you an answer like that. And it was like, okay, that's why these guys are around the league. And as I got around it more and more, I kind of understood. And that's why this time of the of the offseason, getting ready for the draft is so important because – what they would do, you would do this one-on-one in a meeting, but I always thought the interview process was uh, as important, if not more, than watching a guy work out, because you've seen him play, you've seen him on tape, uh, but the character, I think, is awfully important.
3: There, there are times, Spags, when you've got a player who, you know, he may not be that, uh, that uh, A category player. He may not be that player, but he might be on that B level. So the interview itself in that case will make all of the difference, even more so than a player like Murray, who you know is going to be a number one pick. You know, you got those guys down there, second, second rounders, you know, high third rounders. Those interviews, those interviews will make all the difference in the world because that could be that, uh, that X factor that, is, that where a, a, a team will say, you know what, instead of me taking this kid who's an amazing player, but he doesn't have much upstairs or doesn't have much going on otherwise, I think I'm gonna move up and take a chance on this guy, and most of the time, those kind of players work out.
2: So I know you didn't get drafted. Did you get any inter- pre-draft interviews?
3: Heck, no! I didn't get no interviews, man. What are you talking about? I, I didn't even get an interview from Willie Brown, and he was from Grambling. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, after they saw my 40-yard dash, they were like, "Okay, uh, moving on." <laughs> <I> st- <laughs> So <laughs> they stopped. They just made a brief stop at Alice's Diner in downtown Grambling, and they kept moving on. And that was it.
2: So, where there, where there, when you got drafted, were there seventeen rounds, or was it down to twelve by then? Oh no,
3: it was, still, it was only twelve. It was 12. only twelve. But they held, they held six on first day, six on second day.
2: So, did how did the Cowboys uh, contact you then?
3: Well, they, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they sent uh, 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 Jethro Pew. Uh, sent Jeffril Pew. No, no, it was either Jethro Pugh or it was Wooden. But I remember one of them came, and uh, they came on the first day of the draft. So with a free agent contract, by the way, <laughs> which was I thought the timing was kind of off there. We're still, we're still on the first day of the draft, and you're coming to me with a free agent contract. You can tell the future. So I was, I was done. I was done. <laughs>
2: And and, and did did you get any other offers from any other teams, or was this –
3: I I got an offer from Buffalo at the time, and I got an offer at the time from the Aints, which were the Saints. They were the Saints, but, you know, that's when the the bag thing was going on. Now, a little tidbit about that. uh, You know, I'm, I'm looking down on the Saints because they were just horrible at the time. And, of of course, the Cowboys, that was going to be the place I was going to be because, to me, it was the devil you know. I mean, I knew the Cowboys organization was tough to deal with, but I knew about them. And so when you're talking about going to the Saints, I was like, there's no way I'm going to that team. Well, they ended up being one of the better defenses in the history (laughs) of the 1980s for four linebackers. I think all of them uh, are Hall of Famers. And so it just lets you know that – uh, it, maybe if I would have gone there, you never know what, what would have happened. But when you're a yeah. free agent, when you, you are you might not agent, be on
1: the show, Everson. I just had to say, if you went know. there, you might you
3: not be on know. the show. But if you're a free agent, though, at that time, you want to go to an organization that's going to be accountable. When you go to a 1-15 in, 16, 1 in 15 Saints team, you don't expect accountability. So that's why the Cowboys were the easy choice. What was your signing bonus? Oh, it was uh, <laughs> fifteen hundred dollars. Wait, let me let me say it, let me say it differently. Let me say it differently. It was one thousand five hundred dollars. That makes it sound like it's a bigger number. That sounds so, yeah.
2: better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: it sounds better. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh! Well, I gotta say, I'm glad that uh, the Cowboys and the other NFL teams are still finding a way to get these interviews done, especially because of the combine. Yes. They cut the amount of interviews that the teams were able mm-hmm. to conduct this year. So. It's nice to know that they're able to still get this done uh, to lead to that draft process. Uh, Real quick, I want to hear from you guys. Um, This past week, Rex Ryan kind of went viral. He was definitely trending on Twitter. Uh, He had some comments to say when he was talking about how Dak Prescott uh, hasn't been. He hasn't signed a new deal, but other players, specifically Amari Cooper, got a new deal before him. So he was kind of saying he doesn't like that. However, when he was talking about how Amari Cooper didn't perform so well on the road, he ended up also uh, kind of talking pretty poorly about his character, which people were not a fan of. Were you guys able to hear his comments?
2: Yeah, I read I it, some of it, and yeah. uh, you know, it's a, a typical Ryan family. Deal where uh, they're kind of bombastic, and you know, I don't know. Did he feel that way, or was he trying to make a splash to get noticed uh, on uh, on the air uh, to, to get his name out there to say, Oh, yeah, I'm working right? And uh, you know, I get it, I understand it, but I, I thought it was interesting this week. Uh, and I'm going to read a quick little thing here from Ron Rivera, the new head coach of the Washington Redskins, and they were in on uh Cooper. They were trying to sign him. And when they asked him about him and he said Amari was someone that we chased very hard all the way up to the very end. He decided to return to Dallas. We were in it and we were talking about substantial money. But at the end of the day he made a decision uh, he felt that was best and, and we respect it. Uh he said we would have loved to have him as part of what we're trying to do. Believe he would have been a great veteran presence in our room, especially for those young guys. So, Ron Rivera evidently uh, didn't have the same opinion of Amari Cooper uh, as Rex Ryan did.
3: Well, you know how the you know how the Ryan's have always been uh, spags, and you touched on it earlier. You know when you're talking about somebody like Cooper, we always look at the exception of his entire great career here in Dallas. So that, that's just always the way it is. And I'm sure he was referring to the Patriots game and those 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 stretch of games that where Cooper was clearly fighting through an injury. And so everyone was looking forward to the matchup between uh, he and the, the uh, Patriots secondary. And just so happened the timing was bad for Cooper because he didn't come through. Simply, I I think, simply because of the injury and, of course, the conditions that they had to play in up in New England at that time. But when you take a look at Amari Cooper's uh, value uh, to the Dallas Cowboys, you can't put a number on that. He turned our entire season around. He turned Dak's entire professional career around because, at that time, Dak was up against uh, a lot of variables uh, that uh, were affecting his game and affecting his productivity. Here comes Amari Cooper like Superman. He comes in, he saves the season, saves Dak's career, and now all of a sudden he's a staple for us here in, with the Dallas Cowboys. I don't, I don't mind the fact that he signed early for us at all. Uh, I like the fact that I, I believe that, that Dak feels the same way also, Spags. The fact that uh, your wide receiver, your star wide receiver signs first, you shore him up. I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott doesn't have the same problem with that that Rex Ryan had.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and the one thing, you know, and I keep seeing it, and it's always nice when you can take some statistics and you kind of put them in a box and put a bow on top of it with his numbers uh, this past year uh, on the road, not as good as his numbers at home. But I, I think you have to remember, and you need to point out, you need to go in that box, right? And there were two games. One game, now you're gonna, it's gonna ruin his average because all he did was play three plays against the Jets. He was hurt. He tried to play, uh, and he played the first series, and that was it. So he didn't have any catches. All right. And then in New England, as Everson just said. No one had a lot of catches in the game. I can't tell, that was one of the most miserable weather days I think I've ever witnessed. Not only did it rain the whole time, the wind is blowing 20 miles an hour, and the rain's coming down in sheets, right? Tom Brady, if you judge Tom Brady's performance off that one game, you would say well, I ain't paying him 25 million a year right no one they, <laughs> not, they, even, was, in not
3: yeah, even in Tampa not even in Tampa there
2: was one touchdown in the game and the only reason there was a touchdown in the game is the is is the fumble the Cowboys had right and the Patriots get the ball at what the 12 yard line uh, so yes other than that, no one scored anything. No one was catching the ball. They were trying to run it. It was just miserable. So those are two games and you know you take two games and uh, and put that in eight. Now that'll really mess up an average. Now I know some of the other games he didn't perform as well, but as everson said, you know there were times he was playing through an injury too by the way. So go back to the year before and, and look at those final eight games when uh, nine games he had. Uh, that he turned around the Cowboys' season that was going down the tubes uh, quickly. And, and so- Danny,
3: Danny, I, I must I must add to that, Danny. Uh, the Cowboys this past season, uh, when you look at uh, Amari's numbers, uh, the the amount of catches he had could have been so much more. But we are blessed with a nimble backup tight end who's now a starting tight end. We are blessed with. A young man on the other side by the name of Gallup that, that just had a breakout year. We were blessed with uh, uh, Cobb, Randall Cobb to be our slot guy, begging for passes himself. Barely got 55 catches, got his little, little quarter of a million dollar bonus. You had a lot of talent out there that uh, we had a chance to exploit. Even uh, uh, Zeke Elliott had 50 plus catches. So there was a plethora of of talent out there from the wide receiver position, and Amari Cooper was still extremely impactful for this team. So to me, that says even more about how important he is about this team than it does for uh, the the previous year when he came in and saved us during half the season coming from Oakland.
1: Absolutely, Everson. And also on his character, I mean – we're around these players and even after those games on the road when Amari wasn't performing well he knew it and he would take he would stand up by his locker and he would talk to the media and he would answer every question and he was holding himself accountable so I think those comments about his character and and it's just not true that's not that's not who he is he was holding himself accountable and he knows that he can and needs to be better.
2: Well, Danny Everson will tell you that the Ryan family did never, ever like the Cowboys. and uh, <laughs> As a matter of fact, Buddy didn't like Tom Landry. Who didn't like Tom Landry, right?
3: Uh, Tom, uh, uh, Buddy didn't even like players that came from the Philadelphia team <laughs> he was coaching to the Dallas Cowboys. If you recall, they had a kicker, Danny. They had a kicker that came, Zendejas was his name, if I'm not mistaken. A kicker that came from Philadelphia to the Dallas Cowboys. So Buddy Ryan wanted to make an example of a kicker. Who makes an example of a kicker? On the opening kick, they targeted the kicker (laughs) during the ball game. Pretty much knocked him out of the game. And that was his punishment for leaving the Philadelphia Eagles and going to the Dallas Cowboys. So Buddy Ryan, Rex Ryan, both of those guys, yeah, they got they have a they have a stick up their butt about the Dallas Cowboys,
2: <laughs> which is which is known to this day as the Bounty Bowl, right?
3: The Bounty Bowl. You put a bounty out on a kicker. That's petty. That's petty. Oh
1: my gosh. Okay, well, guys, we're still going to have more to talk about. we got a whole other segment still to dive into things. So, uh, mix Shots, stick around with us. We'll have more for you in just a moment. Since
0: 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com.
2: Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal.
0: Eh, it's okay.
2: Just okay? What's not too... It's
0: right above the subway!
2: Well, I bet you don't even notice it after
0: the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stacked from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait,
2: did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick
0: one up and say, "It's so nice to be treated, Dr. Pepper. So nice to treat you."
2: Back to Mick Shots. Well, what would Mick Shots be without getting a little Jack Black information here and this week's special, get jacked you get four <laughs> product that normally costs $40 it's only $32 and here's what you get deep dive glycolic facial cleanser double duty face moisturizer eye balm and turbo wash all that for $32 if you get go to getjackblack.com did you say eyeball eyeball eye balm
3: <laughs> balm oh balm I'm sorry. I thought they had stuff
2: for your eyes. Like, wow. Well, they it is. It's, it's for underneath your eyes, right? In case eyes. things start it's sagging. I could use them, yeah. Oh we my both could use it probably.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh,
3: I love your reads, uh, guys. I love your reads, man. They
1: are great. Uh, mm-hmm. This time last week, guys, we had some breaking news. The Cowboys are trying to fill the loss of defensive end Robert Quinn to free agency, who led the team in sacks last year. They've been trying to find a pass rusher on that right side, and they signed Alden Smith to a one-year deal. Uh, now, remember, he hasn't played football in four seasons, but he is being reunited with Jim Tomstula, the new Cowboys defensive line coach. And Mickey, you were able to find out some of those details of his one-year deal.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think there was some, you know, when guys sign like that, it's a lot of agent stuff and uh, initially, it was uh, reported as a two-year, $4 million deal. Then it was a one-year, $2 million deal. Well, here's the deal on his contract. and <laughs> The Cowboys really, uh, this is a low-risk uh, uh, opportunity for them uh, and an opportunity for Alden Smith if he gets reinstated. And let's start right there. He's still on reserve suspended. So none of his money is counting against the Cowboys uh, salary cap at this point, and we got to see if Roger Goodell reinstates him before everybody gets excited about this. But what I noticed is uh, basically he's playing for, I think he's uh, five five years into the league, six years into the league, so he's playing for basically the minimum of $910,000. Yes, $910, That's it. Yes. And it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So. Basically, the Cowboys are betting $910,000. And then the rest of the contract that adds up to $2 million, it's $1.09 million, is all with various bonuses, various incentives in the contract that he has to meet. And I'll give you an example. He's got a, a bonus for per game, like how many games you play, you get paid so much per game. Uh, you get paid a bonus if he gets reinstated. He gets a bonus if he goes to training camp. Uh, And he gets a bonus if he plays two preseason games. And then he's got bonuses tied to how many sacks uh, he produces, uh, going from I think it was a minimum of 8 to uh, uh, 14. And each level in between, you get extra money. So again, it's a very, from a financial standpoint, uh, a salary cap standpoint, a low risk uh, that you could get a high reward, but Everson, boy, for somebody that hasn't played in four years, uh, you just wonder uh, how long it would take him uh, to get back in the swing of things, what his ability still is, and it's compounded by what we're going through right now, possibly no off-season.
3: You know, the thing about this is you, you talk about him being a low-risk sign, but he's a high-risk individual. Uh, This guy had some serious issues uh, when he first started playing ball. You know, he had this amazing start, well, the first three years, I think he averaged like a sack a game, which is almost unheard of. And uh, along with that, though, was some other things off the field that were also unheard of. I believe he had some uh, issues with alcohol, uh, issues that stemmed from that even. I think it was some domestic abuse problems that he was having that, just really ran him out of the league. He ran himself out of the league, Yeah. and so that's why those incentives are so important because they want to make sure that he stays on point. Uh, you can't look forward when you have the issues that he's had in life. You can't even look forward to the next day, and so I think those incentives are are stated for that just for that particular reason. Uh, I don't know. What went into this signing, and uh, Spags? I'm going to throw that back to you in a sec, but uh, for someone, even as amazing as he was, for someone to get consideration after three, four years of being out of football, there has to be some type of connection there, not just a relationship with the coach, but there has to be a lot of back and forth going on. And even though you're talking about low risk, that's still a million dollars that you're putting out there for a guy that hadn't been in the league for three, four, five years. Uh, to me, he's a, 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 obviously a high-risk individual, and he knows that because he's had his struggles. And so the Cowboys, once again, they're going after some guys that uh, I guess they think that they're worth taking the chance on. And once again, Spags, what was the connection that made them think that this was worth it?
2: You know, I think number one, it would have been Tom Sula. He had him those first four years in San Francisco, the new Cowboys defensive line coach, and then his his agent is local here in Dallas, so they may have had a relationship with him. Uh, now he's been in, supposed you know, going through rehab. Uh, looks like he's getting better, and we'll find out if the NFL thinks he is. Uh, you know, made progress to the point where, okay, we'll give you another chance. He's had a lot of chances. You know, I printed out his list of transgressions, uh, and, boy, it's like a dozen. It's a long it's list. Long it's a long list. Long list. And,
3: and, and here's is, the thing also, Spags, when you start thinking about the uh, other league, we just, we, we just have a new league here uh, in, the, in, in, in America. Uh, we have a new team in Dallas. You know, they've got a, a kid that uh, had his own issues coming out of uh, the, uh, out of Carolina, uh, Alexander. I think his name is Frank Alexander, defensive end uh, for the Dallas team. You know, you would think they would go after guys who are uh, also trying to work their way back into the NFL. And, you know, that could be like a little feeder system for them. So I'm surprised they jumped all the way back to uh, the Alden Smith in San Francisco and they jumped right over uh, some really decent athletes that they have on, on their uh, their Dallas team. Uh, what are they? The Dallas Renegades. The
2: Renegades, uh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, the
3: Renegades. Uh, they, they have some decent talent on that team. I'm surprised they didn't try to sign one of those guys. Like I said, in particular, a guy named Frank Alexander who had a lot of potential uh, when he signed with Carolina uh, come, coming out of
2: college. Yeah, and think absolutely. about this. The, the last time uh, Alden Smith actually played in a game was – uh, around Thanksgiving of twenty fifteen. That's a long time. And I don't know ever since if I can think of somebody that's been out of the league that long. I've never, never seen it happen. Successfully returned, right? Witten was never out, out one year, right? He came back. Uh well, especially too tall now, Jones, if, if too tall Jones was out one year. He came back. But yeah, and without that offseason, boy, that mm-hmm. that's gonna make this one difficult. But we'll see, because first and foremost, he's got to be reinstated before he does anything.
1: Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, Mick, is it would be very very helpful for him if he got reinstated and had OTA's mini camps a training camp and we just we don't know what the future is going to look like uh, that's why we've been doing this virtually why the cowboys have been doing this virtually and why the NFL announced this week that the draft is going to be virtual so that'll be something that we'll have to keep our minds on uh, real quick about the draft it's going to be all virtual like we've been seeing those behind the scenes interviews real quick each of you what is uh, what concerns you the most about that or what excites you the most what's one thing
2: well the the all-star of of these uh, this virtual draft is going to be the it departments because they got to be perfect right <laughs> to keep the connections going keep the phones going keep the video going and and i know for a fact that these guys are working night and day Uh, To to coordinate because all the coaches, uh, the scouts, whatever, they're all going to be in separate places. So they're going to be like us doing the draft. Uh, You know what we're doing right now. You know doesn't uh, have anything to do with winning and losing, right? Uh, But uh, this is going to be serious important. And and I was reading a story yesterday, Everson, that they said that they were going to try and do a dry run, like have a mock draft to make sure all 32 teams are hooked up together and they can communicate. They can communicate with the NFL office. Uh, they would have an open conference call line for everybody to use. Uh, boy, that's a lot to coordinate. But again, uh, and, and I think the, the tough thing will be, how are you going to make trades? You know, the, con- the the conversations back and forth, and uh, you're on a video board, but you're going to be on your phone. <laughs> and that's true
1: oh okay. i think ever since so, out. so see that, that that's a concern that's a yes, concern see, for these and virtual that's what, drafts
2: what if, what if jerry jones drops off in the middle of the draft right uh oh, or stephen jones and so yeah that that's the difficulty of this whole thing so uh you know what uh I remember reading this book, I think it was back in high school, Brave New World, and we are certainly in a Brave New World situation here trying to conduct an NFL draft over uh, the seven rounds uh, without everybody meeting in person.
1: Yeah, it'll definitely be a a change for everyone, but hopeful that the Cowboys uh, will be able to still do their jobs to the best of their ability. Uh, That's going to unfortunately do it for us. I think Everson uh, might have Popped off, but Mickey, thanks for letting Everson and I pop on with you this week. We hope you guys had as much fun as we did. Uh, stay tuned to DallasCowboys.com. The draft show is coming up live at 11 in the morning, and the draft is two weeks away from today, so that crew is definitely going to have plenty to talk about. For Mickey Spagnola, Everson Walls, I'm Danny Serek. Thanks for watching Mick Shots.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
1: Help us, you Cowboys! Yeah!